Midlands Today on Midlands 183 with O'Brien's Mullingar. It's official Westmeath. No county loves Renault more. P.O.Brien.ie When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Well, good morning. Fine day for the Ducks, isn't it? Met Aaron even has a rain warning for us in County Leash. So if you discovered over the bank holiday weekend that you had run out of home heating oil, like I did, well, just stand outside in the nip today and you'll be clean in no time. Arrested, but clean. So what are we talking about this morning? A man is brutally attacked with an axe at a Midlands supermarket. Gordy want to hear from witnesses. Why you may be getting awkward questions from the revenue commissioners if you work from home. And is it in yet? The correct way to take your antigen test. That's what we're talking about in around 15 minutes. 0818 300 103 is the Midlands 103 comment line. You can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103 powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. What have we got for you? You know something, I'm actually going to skip this front page story on the Irish Times. It says, stark warning on COVID-19 trajectory. And it talks about a briefing given to senior cabinet ministers that we may have between four and 5,000 cases of COVID a day in the coming weeks. And a little bit of context and a little bit of perspective is sorely lacking when you see headlines like stark warning. It is not 12 months ago, thankfully, there has been a vaccination programme and widely up, uh, wide uptake on that. And we are not seeing the number of deaths or the number of hospitalisations that would have been the case 12 months ago had we eased restrictions to the extent that we have. And it is not comparing apples with apples to put a headline like stark warning. Yes, there will be cases. And yes, unfortunately, some of those will end up in hospital. And they're talking about 150 to 200 requiring intensive care. But you know what? We have the surge capacity. They've done a deal with the private hospitals. They may have to activate that. None of that is referenced. Anyway. He got away with murder is the headline on the Daily Star. A reference to John the Coach Trainer. Who has died in England at the age of 73. He hasn't lived here since the death of Veronica Guerin, 1996. And he was, by all accounts, John Gilligan's right-hand man. And he was her informant as well. She would go to him to get the stories, and he enjoyed, no doubt, the publicity and the profile that he uh, managed to gain from that. He was known as the coach, and she gave him that nickname. It says Gilligan's partner in crime betrayed Veronica. Coach dies of cancer with blood on his hands. Let's not glorify him anymore. Moving on to the Irish Independent. Bad news if you're a first-time buyer. The Banking and Payments Federation. So that's a umbrella group of banks, if you like. They have done research. They have concluded the majority of mortgage buyers are not first-timers. They are more than likely, in a first-time situation, buying a second-hand home. And that is despite, if you are able to 
uh, buy your new home, you can qualify for a tax relief of €30,000. But even with that, it is not affordable for many first-time buyers to buy brand new. And according to this, the majority of the new homes are being picked up by either those who have the cash and will use them for rent, or the so-called cuckoo funds or vulture funds who will buy properties to try and give a return to their shareholders and they're not that interested in the social side of the property market. Now, let's go inside the front pages today. More details, and indeed this is covered on midlands103.com if you wish to get the full story. How a man was rushed to hospital yesterday evening in Tullamore after an incident at Tesco and there are several videos doing the rounds online and you may have seen how he was attacked by men who had an axe and heaven knows what else. This guy, the victim, he's in his 30s. He was approached by men at around half past eight at Tesco on the outskirts of Tullamore. And his injuries, fortunately, are not thought to be life-threatening. But obviously the Gorthy take this incident very seriously and they have preserved the scene for a technical examination and they would ask if you were in the area that you would please contact them if you have any information relevant to their investigation. Again, midlands103.com for the full story today. Now, good news about your car. Second-hand values for some models are up by 16% in a year. If, for instance, you are driving a Volkswagen Golf, or indeed just about any Volkswagen, they make the list of the top 10 more than any other brand when it comes to price inflation. An Opel Corsa, 08, so not a brand new car by any means, was worth 1,600 quid last year. It's now worth 2,000 euro. And you can go across various models and various years and find that you are sitting on a more valuable piece of machinery now than was the case 12 months ago, which apparently is down to Brexit, down to a global shortage of microchips, and down to the new way we test cars, something called WLTP. This is so they can't tell us any more porkies about how clean their cars are, emissions and so on. And that has tightened supply because some models have just been taken off the market because they won't pass the tests. You can read more about it in the Irish Independent today. But energy efficiency is going to be topical for years and years and years to come. And you heard yesterday about the carbon budgets. Well, there's no agreement in Europe about the best way to reduce emissions. And that's highlighted by the plight of Mairead McGuinness, who is now our European commissioner. And it happens to land on her table how we should transition to so-called climate neutrality. For instance, the French believe nuclear power is the way to do this. And they are lobbying intensively for their nuclear plants to be classified as green. However, Italy and Germany, they have almost completely phased out their nuclear plants ever since Fukushima took place in 2011. You remember the disaster on the coast of Japan. So, You've got one powerful body in Europe saying, yep, let's go nuclear, and a different group saying, nope, we want to go for gas instead as a transition. It's still a fossil fuel, but if you have to burn fossil fuels, it's the one to do because it's cleaner. So Mairead McGuinness has this task of developing what's called a taxonomy. 
taxonomy of how the European Union will manage its transition. Oh, for heaven's sake, it's like Greta Thunberg said, blah, 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 lots of words, but no action. Although, if you read the Irish Times this morning, which is sold quite heavily in Dublin, you will get a very different picture from readers than perhaps in this part of the country where we have relied on peat and energy production for so long. There are many who have reacted to the carbon budget published yesterday saying it's not ambitious enough. We shouldn't be waiting until 2025 to reduce emissions by 8% plus per year. So, depends where you live and how it affects you, I imagine. Bus Aaron, for instance, has announced that the new order of electric single-deck buses will be dispatched in Athlone and in Dublin. So they've placed an order for 45 new vehicles, all electric, and you'll see those operating out of Athlone in the not-too-distant future. They expect 2023 to be the latest by which they come into service. An update on the Deirdre Jacob case. You remember Deirdre went missing in Newbridge in County Kildare in 1998, one of many women in Leinster to vanish without a trace during the 1990s. So the Gorthy began searching, having received new evidence that there could be a body found on a site at Taggartstown, which is just on the border between Kildare and Wicklow, not that far from Newbridge, about 15 kilometres from where she went missing. And they began searching on the 11th of October. But unfortunately, they have found nothing of value in their search for Deirdre. They have found the remnants of a previously undiscovered historical settlement, which they think dates back to about 500 BC. And obviously that has value for the National Monument Service. But for the family of Deirdre Jacob, it raised yet another false hope. And the Gorthy, in a statement, say the family does not wish to speak at this time. They would like privacy. Understandably so. Facebook is back in the news. You may have heard from the whistleblower who addressed the Houses of Parliament in London uh, on Monday. She suggested Facebook will show you content that makes you angry because you're more likely to engage with it and you therefore get more and more and more of this on your newsfeed. So the Irish Independent this morning looks into how they managed to do this. And you may remember a few years ago, they introduced different reactions. So previously you either liked something or you didn't. Now you can give it the thumbs up, the love icon, the laughing icon, the wow icon, and the angry icon. And so Facebook realised that if you reacted to something angrily, you were more likely to read it and stay on their platform. And so they started to show you more angry content. And others, perhaps your friends, those with similar interests, those who follow similar pages, they all get to see it. So more so than love, more so than wow, more so than laughing, angry. That's the icon that tends to feed your news content. Quick one for you from the journal.ie today. If you have a child between the age of 5 and 11, in America, the regulator for vaccines, the FDA, its advisors say a light dose of Pfizer should be given to children. Now, it's not the full-blown vaccine, 
but they believe the benefits of giving a reduced form of the jab outweigh any potential risks in children aged 5 to 11. If you have a child in that age group, will you go for it if the European uh, Medicines Agency decides on a similar course of action here? Or will you hesitate? I think we'll need more information. Speaking just personally for my own family, waiting to hear what the doctors say, waiting to hear what the opponents say, analyse and digest the various arguments and then come to a decision. Maybe a bit early to say. But if you've already made up your mind, please tell me. Finally, minds that have yet to be made up are those of the bosses at Manchester United. According to various papers this morning, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been given just three more games to save his job. So they're away to Tottenham on Saturday. They travel to Atalanta in the Champions League. I think that's next Tuesday. And then there's a visit of Manchester City on the following weekend. And if all of that goes wrong, or even if one of those games repeats what was a humiliating result, 5-0 against Liverpool, and it could have been worse, the thinking is that Ole will be gone. And also there seems to be some unnamed sources suggesting actually they're just buying time. They already have made up their mind that he's going, but they haven't got anybody in the frame to replace him just yet. And that's the reason they're waiting and holding off. Mm, If you're a Man United supporter, is it time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to move on? Next on Midlands 103, the correct way to take an antigen test if you should be sent one, if you're a close contact, or if you're going into a venue or any other setting where they need to be conducted. Antigen tests have become very, very topical in recent times. Even Micheál Martin, the Taoiseach, appeared to have something of a change of mind. Many experts had advised him, particularly from Neffet, uh, over the last year they were not sufficiently reliable to be used in settings such as uh, music venues, Uh, workplaces. They were no substitute for the so-called gold standard PCR test. That attitude seems to be changing. So if you are in receipt of an antigen test, and this will happen, by the way, if you become a close COVID contact, whether you are vaccinated or not, how should you take it accurately? Because technique matters in these things. Well, the man with the answer is Des Morgan. He's commercial director with Critical Healthcare in Tullamore. Just give us a little bit of background to your company and how many of these things you're shifting and to whom. Um, okay, so we're based in Tullamore and we are mainly a medical consumable company to first responders. So the National Ambulance Service of Ireland, some private hospitals, DFB in Dublin and in a European foothold as well. Again, all first responders. Uh, the antigen test has been around since the start of the pandemic and we have been supplying it throughout Europe and to a lot of large-scale companies for the testing of their own staff for the past two years. Um, Since Micheál Martin's announcement in recent times, it definitely has uh, got more popular and there's a lot of smaller companies from restaurants, pubs, hotels, um, and you will start to see them now more and more in the supermarket chains, pharmacies and stuff like that, just for people mm. to test. Just contrast the attitudes or the demand with those other European countries to Ireland prior to that announcement. Well, in fairness to the European countries, it depends on the ones you go to. So Germany, for example, were very proactive in the use of antigen tests to keep their society open. 
So if you wanted to frequent a nightclub, a pub, a hotel, a restaurant, cinema, you would have to take an engine test prior to your entry. And that was that's been going on for the last 12 months in Germany. So they've kept their society open and active. Um, not so much here. Wasn't really one from Neffet as Tony Hoolan has often spoke against. And it was down to the PCR test. We, we just took a different stance nationally. Um, some people say it was right. Some people say it was wrong. You know, it's, it's really up to the person. So the demand heretofore in Ireland, I presume, has been from workplaces, Would what sort of sectors? Yes, large scale. So construction sectors, in fairness, have been very proactive in this throughout the pandemic. They got shut down and when they got to return, um, they were very adamant to test their staff. So they would test their staff Mondays and Thursdays to make sure that everybody on site uh, was COVID free. And these are large scale sites with large numbers. So you could have sites there with 2000 men, uh, men and ladies throughout the site and they'd be tested. And then you have manufacturing plants um, um, and uh, not meat processors, but food processors as well. Again, large-scale companies, they would be taking these in the thousands to test their staffs on a regular basis to make sure that they could stay operational, that their business was operational, and they were keeping COVID at bay and keeping everybody safe. Now, one of the differences is when you go for your PCR test, the official HSE one, it'll be administered by people who are trained and who know how far up the nose to go, how far down the throat and so on. Whereas antigen tests in many cases are self-administered. That perhaps can influence the accuracy, can it? Yeah, of course. Um, Again, the collection of the sample from the nasal passage is very important. And if done incorrectly, while the test might come back that you're negative may not be true. Of course, people will take them, people will get a negative result and their confidence automatically will improve and they will feel they're safe enough to go into society. Have they taken the test correctly is the question and the only person who can assess the person who's taken it. Okay, so you're going to walk me through this. I've just taken the various items out of the packet. There's a good comprehensive leaflet of instructions, so should you wish to read it. And then we have two components. One uh, would appear to be the swab, and then we have a sachet. That's, a, that's your test plate for your sample to be placed on. Okay, so what do I do so first? There should be another two items in the box. Aha. Okay. Yes, there is. So the little vial of liquid, that is your uh, extraction buffer. This is how you test your swab. So you crack the lid and you place it into the buffer vial that you have. Okay. So Pouring in now. Just a couple of drops. That's now in. Okay. So if you can just have that in a standing up position, not to, let, not to leave it flat so the liquid leaves. I'm going to give it to you, okay. just for the sake of not so spilling everything. The swab now is to be opened. Okay. Uh, the, the bud end not to be touched. The bud end not to be touched. No, so we'll go this end then. I think they're just... The, 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 yeah. yeah. Open. You're dealing with the person who's least manually capable. Now, here we have so, our swab with... A cotton bud, for the lack of a better description, at the end. Quite narrow and bendy just below. So Correct. And you can see there's a kind of a groove cut. Yes. So this is the point of where that is as deep as you go into your nasal cavity. So you would hold it about five, six mil below that with your fingers. And you would slide that up 
Right, so you, you have to go right up there then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, again, for people who can't see it. So, and by the way, we will have a video online on social later. But we're looking at a couple of centimetres there. I would say you're looking at probably two inches uh, into your nasal cavity. Once that is placed at that depth into your nasal cavity, it sits there for five seconds and you rotate it. Uh-huh. And then you extract it and it will go into uh, the... Okay, so bottoms up, as they say. Uh, you'll have to guide... Oh, Jesus. Am I up for no, it? Till your fingers, till you touch your fingers. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, five seconds. One, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> My eyes are watering. Right. So... Yeah. Place it in the buffer file. And Back into this for, liquid. Yeah, just drop it in and you leave it for about 30 seconds. All right. And then what's going on now? So the, the cotton bud, you've taken a swab from your nose. So it is now put into the extraction vial. The buffer in the vial will be sucked up into the bud and it'll be mixed with your sample. So after about 30 seconds, we will start to turn the, the cotton bud. Mm hmm and then we'll pull it up and we'll pinch the vial against the cotton bud so as you pull it out you're kind of squeezing all the liquid back from the top of the cotton bud back into the vial and then we'll close it up and then we'll put it on the test plate. I should point out by the way we didn't do one of these in advance. I'm hoping it's negative for the sake of you and everybody present uh, although we have our, our two metre distance. Okay, we're That's, at about 30 seconds. Yeah, so just uh, to spin it inside the Spin your cotton bud, yeah. yeah, and then you can take it out of the liquid and then pinch it against the side, like so, with your fingers. No, oh, with, with your my fingers. fingers. Oh, absolutely, pinch with your fingers, and that's it. Okay, so that would then be discarded, and then you close the lid. Done. Okay, so the lid is closed. So open up your the um, sachet. Yes. My hands, of course, now are sticky, which does not help. Now done. And we have our little contraption in here. So, says SARS-CoV-2 antigen. So just place that flat on the on the table, like so. And then on your S. Yes, S. we. I should point out we have two sections: S, and above it, C and T. Yeah. So your S is for your sample. So just turn it upside down and drop in droplets. Okay. Keep going. Keep going till it fills to the top. Right, done. And then, and I can it. see, yes, there's so a automatically reacts. It's um, spreading up along that yeah, so readout would, section above. So this will take looks like red ink. Fifteen minutes uh, for a full test. They can come back within five or six minutes, but we do recommend to leave it for the full duration of the fifteen minutes. And if I'm negative, what will if I see? And if I'm positive, what will a, I see? A line that will appear across from the sea. Mm -hmm. which means that's a good, clean, controlled test. And that, that is starting to appear there, yes. To appear. If you're positive, a line will appear beside the T. So you'll have two lines. Let's hope that doesn't happen. At this stage, I would say you're negative because they do come up pretty quick. But again, we will recommend to leave it the full 15 minutes. Um, and The lesson for me in this, when I first inserted the bud, I thought I was up sufficiently far because I was encountering resistance. It was beginning to become a little unpleasant. I mean, I'm not going to overstate it. You do have to go up that extra inch. You do, yeah. And that's and again, that's where the self-test is 
you know, again, it's that the person who takes it. So you're now have taken one, you'll know better. But the next person who gets one who's never taken one or never been administrated one, they will go as far as it becomes uncomfortable and that mightn't be far enough. And then also leave it up there for the five seconds, rotate, make sure you gather. Correct. The now, material. it is in all the instructions and stuff of that. So it's again, it's up to the person to read all that through and make sure that it is. Yeah. Realistically, are you going to do that? Not everybody will. No, I would agree. It's still negative. Let's oh, hope no, we're I'd, good. I'd, I'd say you're negative. But again, we just recommend to leave the test. So eventually the test plate, it's pink now, will return back to its ne- neutral colour of grey. Let's confront one other thing. How accurate is this, even with best practice? So best practice, they are 99.8% clinical specificity. So they're the, the, they're the same standard or very close to PCR test. They're not to replace PCR test. They're not to outdo a PCR test. The recommendation from NEFIT and the government is you take an antigen test. If you're negative, you go for a PCR test. PCR test is a, a lab test. It's cycled through different machines. It is far, far clearer to know if you have it or haven't. This is just a preemptive. If you feel unwell at any time or you present flu-like symptoms, the recommendation is to tip down to your local shop or pharmacy, buy one, take one. If it comes back negative, go about your day. What settings could you see these being useful in that we don't have them at present? In fairness, it's really on the individual. So, as I stated earlier, there is some hospitality sectors now coming in, pubs, restaurants, who want to protect their staff as society has reopened more. I want to make sure that their staff staff are safe. Obviously, the customers you're hoping will have their full vaccinations and so forth and so on. Um, I, and then for the individual who doesn't feel terribly well to tip down and get one. And I know in England, for example, the NHS have now started to use them in hospital settings where if you present with flu-like symptoms, the first test they'll do is an antigen test. And if it's negative, they will deal with the symptoms mm. you have. If you're positive, they bring you away, they'll do a PCR test mm. to be sure, to be sure. So they're trying to segregate COVID out from the general populace in hospital settings. So that's where it's going. You'll see a lot of it being used. If you are an employer, if you're a publican, if you're somebody who feels you may want to buy these, obviously in bulk, I imagine there are savings. Uh, how can you be reached? Uh, so we're in Tullamore. Um, the, the, we have a website. We're on all the social medias. And you can ring in and the girls are more than happy to look after you. And we are getting phone calls. And, and we are starting to get phone calls from big retailers as well to look for them as well. Des Morgan, Commercial Director with Critical Healthcare in Tullamore. Thank you. Many thanks. Eugene and Kelly, thank you for your message. No, I shall not be doing that particular type of sample for the sake of your stomach and everybody else's. Not unless you pop in, that is. Now, <laughs> just joking. Um, well, I recall two to three years ago, somebody was attacked by two men in a van in Tullamore. And I'm wondering... Could this be connected to what happened at Tesco yesterday? That is from Gregory. Um, at, at the moment, the Gorthy are investigating and they have uh, appealed for witnesses. And indeed, we'll give you as much information as we have. Not sure if there's any connection to anything else that hasn't been stated. That would be speculation at the moment. But a few people have remarked on whether supermarkets should have a very visible security presence 
at their front door in light of incidents such as what happened at Tesco in Tullamore yesterday. That would be hopefully excessive. Hopefully. But maybe if it's going to be a case that these attacks happen with impunity, and you may remember, again, something absolutely brutal breaking out in the Golden Island area of Athlone uh, only a few months ago... Do you put security on for that one incident in a million? Up to you. What would you prefer? 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp. Good news on this Wednesday morning. The Grennan Family Support Fund, which was set up after that terrible house fire in Mount Temple two weeks ago, has now reached its target of €100,000. Actually, it's 101,396 and they have closed donations. And this is to help Lisa and Nigel and their family put their lives back together. Now, let's give, give, give you the latest on an incident in Tullamore at the Tesco supermarket at around about half past eight yesterday evening, which Gore, they are investigating. And our deputy head of news, Ella Butler, is here. Morning. Morning, Will. Yeah, so news came through shortly after half eight last night of that serious assault um, at Tesco in the Cloncolleg area of Tullamore. I'm sure people will know it. Um, a man in his 30s was approached, it seems, just inside the door of the supermarket um, by two men with an axe. Um, so he was seriously injured there. He was taken from the scene to Tullamore Regional Hospital for treatment. His injuries are not believed to be life-threatening, though. So, like, look, just... Really shocking news to hear of a, of an evening, you know, considering it was in such a public area as fairly early in the evening as well. And I'm sure there would have been plenty of people around at the time of all ages. So it's there was of, quite a large scale Garda response. Yeah, that's right. Um, I suppose about there were five squad cars at one point there at least. And the scene was preserved for an examination. Now, that was all cleared again by 10 o'clock last night. Um, and we got confirmation as well just before coming on air that no arrests have yet been made. So I guard the investigations are ongoing and they say they don't have a definite line of inquiry as of this morning either. People may be wondering if it's connected to any feuding in the area. Yeah, according to Gardaí and Tullamore this morning, it's not. Um, so we'll follow up on that. But but as they say, they don't have a definite line of inquiry of, of yet, as of yet. They are appealing for anyone who was in the area last night, though, or who has dash cam footage and may have seen anything to contact them. Tullamore Guard, the station can be called on 057 9327 or, of course, the Guard, the confidential line 1800 666 The victim taken to Tullamore Hospital, his injury is not thought to be life-threatening. Ellen, thank you very much. Thanks, Will. Now, on the way, after 10, why you may be getting some awkward questions from the Revenue Commissioners if you work from home. Also, Brian Clunan shall be here, dispensing his DIY wisdom from 20 past 10, and your chance to win €100 Euro to spend with thanks to texastom.ie. What do you make of this? If you want to dance in a nightclub, you'll need to order your ticket an hour in advance. Will you remember in time? What if you didn't intend going out-out? Always love that expression, by the way. Is there any other country with such a thing as going out-out? Or is that just in Ireland? Also today, heavy rain is forecast for many parts of the Midlands. Will it be gone by Halloween, or shall it be a rather damp trick-or-treating? And... 
The book about the last beekeeper. A story where you influence the ending. Find out how that works from half past eleven. When you call today, the number is 0818 300 103. You can text or WhatsApp as well, 083 30 10 103. Every contribution goes into the draw for Caller of the Week with thanks to texastom.ie and your chance to win €100 Euro to spend there on all sorts of fashions and accessories. Now, you know how you tense up at a guard at the checkpoint, even if you've done nothing wrong? Well, you might get the same feeling when dealing with the revenue commissioners. I know I do. And therefore, you're not going to like this report from the Irish Independent. It says, tax officials have been in contact with many people about their annual return for 2020 in which they claimed for remote working expenses. And if you were legitimately working at home, as many people wore last year, you probably felt entitled to put in a claim. But how much material will you need to back it up? John McCann is with us from MCM Accounting in Tullamore. Good morning, John. Good morning, young Will. How are you? Very well, thank you. Quick good, explainer. Good. How does this claim work and who's entitled to it? OK, um, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. If you've been working at home and the Revenue have, have published um, some guidelines on that, and um, basically if you've been working from home as a result of the pandemic, and it seems to be fairly clear it's only as a result of the pandemic, and it will probably only last as long as the pandemic officially in official terms lasts, um, you will be working from home for certain periods of time. It may be uh, four days a week, five days a week, it may be one day a week. And what uh, has been put forward in, the, in, in both last year and the budget this year is that you can claim a certain portion of your electricity costs and a certain portion of your broadband costs. And what you do is you keep a record of your utility bills, which is your ESB bill and your broadband bill. You submit them at the end of the year and revenue will basically give you a tax credit. The reality of the situation is that um, it's pretty dismal as to what you're going to get. And um, it probably is more expensive to actually process the, the whole claim than to get any benefit. And for example, if, as I say, if you go to that um, aforementioned little example, the revenue guideline, there's a situation where you have somebody who would have spent, let's say, uh, seven or 800 quid uh, on broadband. And by the time the revenue finished with the calculation, you get 20, 22 euro back. So, look, <laughs> right. it's, yeah, it, to be honest with you, uh, my own view is... Um, See, there are separate rules for what we call employed people, and there are quite different rules to those that are in self-assessment. And um, the simple differentiation is um, the employed people, if you like, are literally employed by an employer, and then the self-assessed people are those that have either other income or self-employed, as we know it. Uh, and, but they're the rules that we're talking about today, the ones that apply to those that are working for an employer. And that's where their income comes from. So Just one distinction to make as well. Some employers may be giving a daily allowance to those who are remote yes. working. And does that have to be declared? OK, well, the first thing about that is that the question you'd ask is, why would an employer do it in the first place? And, and, and my rationale behind that is that um, the employer is still incurring the costs of providing the office, of paying uh, rates, of paying electricity, blah, blah, blah. And now they're, uh, they're, 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 the revenue are going to allow them to pay an additional €3.20 for every day that person is, is, working from, is working from home. No, it doesn't have to be declared. It's a tax-free payment. But uh, I'm just raising the question. I know very few employers that are actually making that payment. So for the majority of workers, then we're probably talking about the previous example where you're going yes. to produce the bills and put in your claim accordingly. 
if you take everything into account, the electricity, the broadband, the phone, what sort of number are you looking at? Well, look, if you take, again, we'll, we'll just take our example again, and um, there's, a, there's another example revenue of given us, which is probably not an unreasonable um, it's not an unreasonable figure where you have um, a single person who is probably spending, um, oh, maybe, I don't know, what would we spend, twelve or 1400 on electricity, probably, um, well, you could pay, pay a bit more than you add oil and that sort of thing. So revenue come up with this figure of 2494 which includes your broadband bills. And really what you're saying is that the best this lady is going to get back is €24. Euro on the basis that she works for 25% of her working days at home. So, you know, it's, it's, there's very little to be got out of this whole exercise. Yeah, and if she was perhaps at home for the full year, obviously she would get more. But well, would, she she would, have, get, would she have well, to prove she get, the days she was at, in the office and the days she was at home? How yeah, would that work? You, well, first of all, if she was working, let's say, all the time, she would get, let me see, 24 multiplied by 4, which is €96. Euro. Um, and you've got to prove the day. Yes, you do. And you're, you may have to get this validated by your employer. Um, and revenue are doing these, these checks. Now, I suppose one of the things that I, I would take issue with, there is so little involved. Why are revenue wasting so much of our money and our time on very little, ta- on very little protection of the, of the taxpayers' interests, as they call it? Why carry out an audit and an inspection? Because invariably there's going to be the, the wastage of taxpayers' time proving that you can claim this €24. Euro. And number two, the time that it's taken uh, out of, let's say, revenue time for a supervisor to check that the work that the, the person underneath them has done, it's just totally counterproductive. And again, it's sort of the sort of nonsense that these people come out with. I think what they should have done is made the scheme much simpler and almost kind of uh, uh, proof you know, that you don't have to have the necessary checks. Because I just think the whole thing is really, really silly and it's a, it's a, it's a total um, you know, fish in a teacup or whatever that expression is. If, I think storm in a teacup. If it is a storm, derisory yes, sorry, amount of money and a rather small drop in revenues ocean, I've seen one figure that the gross value for all of the claimants is $10.8 million. Now, considering revenue collects billions and billions in taxes, yeah. are they likely to follow this up? Uh, I think I think they will do it because uh, they said they're going to do it and they'll have to be seen to do it. But I personally think it's an absolute disgraceful waste of their time. And I also just might add, this option is also allowed for some self-employed people who may be working for 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 other people because they may have two or three sources of income. And you know, the bottom line on this is these questions are going to be directed right in the middle of income tax season. So income tax season for most accountants would be from approximately September to about mid-November. We're not going to be able to talk to anybody. We're not going to be able to be, we're not going to see our families. And revenue are going to be very insistent that they want um, answers now. Now, they have no legislative authority to do that, but they can be very threatening and intimidating, upset clients, upset accountants, and the sort of thing they should just back off and, and lay off and take a very practical point of view. We're giving little or no money away. Stop wasting our, the taxpayers' resources. Because, you know, even if you take any uh, revenue person, most of them are paid if you take their gross figure. Even the cheapest person is probably costing 25, 26 euro an hour at, 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 at the very, very least. And they're going to spend two to three hours on the validation check to save 24 euro. Come on, lads, stop wasting our time and our money. Think about that. That would be my personal view. Uh, one final question from John Is heating allowable in the claim? Yes. Yes is the answer. Electricity, heating, and your broadband. And I would take issue that there may be other costs that you should be allowed. And I would also take issue is that if it's, they're going to be serious about it, they're only going to allow you 30% of your heating costs. You know, 
I don't think that's reasonable because if you're working, let's say, five days a week, don't tell me your heating costs, and, and let's say it's winter, by virtue of being at home, are not going to go up by more than 30%. But Revenue said they'll only give you 30% as a max. So I just... Yeah, but they may well argue you're in just one room of the house and maybe there's somebody else there as well and why should Revenue pay for the heating of the other rooms? And anyway, it's getting into, as you said, well, very we, small if, numbers and splitting hairs really, isn't it? Well, well really, Will, if we were to talk about you know, how, the, how, how, how um, the Department of Finance, the various government departments use our money, I think, I think we would win on that question about just heating our house. John McCann of MCM Accounting always good talking with you thank you thanks Will cheers take care now still on the agenda today the book about the last beekeeper quite a moral to this story and you get to influence the ending or perhaps your child will because it is aimed at a younger reader and also heavy rain forecast for many parts of the Midlands today particularly in County Leash what exactly you can expect and what to plan for at Halloween? Will you need the brolly if you're going trick-or-treating with the little ones? Brian Clunan, though, is next. And now, in association with Aramount Furniture, Clonkolic Industrial Estate, Tullamore. For the perfect sitting or dining room or bedroom suite, look no further than their two floors of gorgeous furniture. Open seven days. AramountFurniture.ie Just for a little thrill, when he's in here with Will, he throws looks that could kill Brian Clunan's DIY. When conversation's flowing, that's not all that he's throwing. So don't forget to phone in for Clunan's DIY. Hey, Ugly. Hey, how you doing? You can take the mask off. <laughs> well, you know, I was driving out the Clara Road on my way here to the radio station, and I have to say, it's, I, I like to see the, ha- the, the houses done up for Halloween, but, you know, to me, it indicates there's kids in the house, and I don't know, it probably mightn't be anymore or whatever. But, um, and I was thinking, what an unfair advantage you have at Halloween that you don't have to put on the mask. You're scary enough. You know, with that face as it is. That makes two of us. <laughs> so, we'll get straight down to business. And if you have a question for Brian, by the way, the number is 083 30 10 103. Text or WhatsApp. Vera in Mount Melick says her three long-haired teenage daughters are constantly battling, uh, or sorry, are constantly in the shower, so she is constantly battling hair in the drain and she doesn't like the whole ordeal of plucking it out and along with the grease and the fat and horrible, whatever other contents are there so she's wondering if there is any liquid that will gobble up those hairs and clean her drain leave it sparkly there is but I would always say look put on a pair of, if you can put on the disposable gloves a lot of the time the little the little grid at the bottom little pops up so it's only a little inch and a half grid or inch a quarter grid pops up and then you take out you twist once and lift out the kind of the filter that's there um, and if you can do that you know do it put it in a jug of hot water and soften everything up and wash it uh, now if you need to use a chemical really the best one is the, the there's basically the 90% of drainer blockers in Ireland will be either caustic based or acid based so both of them are dangerous the caustic one you leave overnight or you leave for a long period of time. It doesn't break down hair, but it does break down all the soap and shower gel and body fat and everything that combines together to make it stickier and make it more likely to stay in place and, and cause a blockage. Uh, the acid 
eats through the hair as well. So I would say to you, if it's an ongoing bad problem, even when you use whatever you're using, you're probably not clearing it completely. So there probably is merit in getting the asset. So you have to be very, very careful with the, with the asset. You open the windows. If you spill it, you, have, you wear heavy, proper rubber gloves, not disposable gloves. And you pour very slowly. You pour about half a litre down the drain, but you take about 20 minutes to do it. And if you spill any, you wipe it straight away. So you have a roll of kitchen roll and a plastic bag. And if you spill any, wipe it up straight away. Leave it down for about an hour, but you're pouring it down in increments over 20 minutes. You know, a half, a capful, twice, two capfuls. You're not using the cap now. You're just pouring a small amount down and leaving it time. What you don't want to do is pour down half a bottle and have it all gurgle back up into the shower and then destroy the bottom of the shower tray. Um, but the beauty of it is, it works, and it works really, really, really well. It eats, eats through everything except the plastic pipe. So any hair, and you see, on a shower run like that, there'd be quite a long, it's quite a long run and quite a build-up there. And when you use an inverted commas, a normal one, like a caustic one, it only takes away the stuff that's easy to remove. Now, the hope would be that if you do this once, do it once, now put down, there are various shower filters, what do you call them, shower drain filters. They're a little thing that goes on top of, so most shower trays now are flat and this thing sits on the surface. It kind of clicks into place and it will, now it needs to be cleaned on a regular basis. But the person, ha the girls having the shower, well, what am I saying? Go in yourself mm -hmm. and clean it. Right? That was a foolish thing to say. I'm thinking of at home where, you know, my daughter has very long hair and this works brilliantly. But of course, you know, I have to keep nagging and saying, clean, clean, clean. So what, it just clips out and you wash it, it and, out and pop you, it back in? Exactly. Mm. And it takes 90% of it. Simple. Uh, simple, yeah, simple. Next. Mark in Athlone has just had a refill of oil. And his neighbour reminded him that last year the neighbour's tank was emptied completely. Guys had come over the back wall and oh. siphoned it out. And oil is more yeah. valuable than ever. Than ever, yeah. So he's wondering what is the best way to secure the tank to prevent this from happening? Well, I suppose one of the first things, if you can keep them from getting to the tank at all, that's the best thing. So, you know, have a look at the scene. How would you get into your wherever your tank is, the backyard. Can you secure, you know, is there a gate at the side of the house that stops him going around the back? If, and like these, his neighbour... In this case, they climbed over the they wall. They climbed over the wall, exactly. So they must have climbed over the wall and had a kind of a tank and a siphon pipe. So it's all about making life difficult for them. Uh, so maybe just look at putting in a, a light on the back that has the passive infrared detector that when they hop over the wall, a light comes on. That's always a help because they, you know, if a light comes on that they're kind of saying, oh, oh, better get out of here. You know, who's looking at me now? What attention has been paid to me? Um, am I on camera? Am mm. I on camera? Uh, well, of course, the problem with cameras is they, if they're going to do something like that, they're just they're wearing a hoodie and they pop the hoodie up and you don't see a mm. face. Um, so the other thing to do is just make sure that they can't pop open the lid off the tank. So that's usually very straightforward. So you have a round, usually, lid that sits down over. So when you get your oil refill, he takes off the lid, pops the pipe in, fills up the tank, puts the lid back on. There's a bar goes through. So what I would say to you normally is the long, the long bar, take that out and you can get a long padlock, 20 quid, 15 quid. You get a long padlock that goes through the bar, through the hole on the lid. And now you can no longer take off the lid. Now, obviously, 
it's a plastic tank. If they decide to start bringing drills and drilling a hole, they'll in get it, it out. They yeah, it. but look, or, or, it's or they always, could chop the pipe coming out of it either. If yeah, it's soft. But but it's all about they tend to try and make look. There's ten houses in a row. Will Faulkner's house is like Fort Knox. You know, Brian Clunan's is not. I'll go to Brian Clunan's. That's the way it works. They go for the easiest opportunity. So you just make life as difficult as possible. If there's a light, if there's a lock, they're going to say, "Ah, here." I'll go back to I'll go back to the next door neighbour. If he hasn't improved his security, that's what I'll do. So security is I always say it. Security, house security, is all about making it easier to go next door. That's that's the rule of thumb. Um, unfortunately, you know that's it. You're just trying to say go go and do someone else's because if they decide I want to get into Will Faulkner's house and no one else's, they'll get in. That's the that's the way it works. Best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> All you find are toys in a mess. Well, with Christmas, with Christmas now at the moment, um, you know, toys are uh, toys are, are are becoming high value. If they were all assembled and if yes. all the parts were together instead of being <laughs> strewn all over the place, maybe, but yeah. not in this case. Uh, you've just reminded me. I've lived in that house eight years. I've had says it seems like twenty. Just I've living with you, had to siphon the heating probably twice every single year. Stop. Why? Because we keep forgetting to refill. Oh my god! The assumption is, oh, you know, thousand liters. You know, you can get. I just and know the one brand. This is where I'm going. This the oil watchman. Going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oil watchman. Oil watchman is well. Like, there may be other brands. I just know of that one. Uh, <clears throat> and the way it works is now it, it doesn't work for me because I have an old metal tank. But the way it works is you drop this thing. So the oil watchman basically comes in two parts. You drop a thing, a sensor, into the tank and you plug in the receiver in the in the kitchen. And one feeds information to the other. You can glance at your... your no, I don't have one, but I know you can glance. But more importantly, when it goes to a certain level, this thing starts to beep. You know if you're running out of oil. Santi, when, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Next is Vera, excuse me, Jim in Mullingar. He goes by Vera at the weekend. (laughs) Jim bought a 10-year-old house earlier this year. It has a whirlpool jacuzzi bath, no less. Was was 10 years ago the middle of the boom? It was end of the boom, but a lot of the places selling jacuzzi. Of course, no, but he only bought the house 10 years ago, so it was put in in the boom. No, he, yeah, said, yeah. he says it's a 10-year-old house, but actually you could pick up jacuzzis for half nothing yes. after the crash. Right, OK. Because the suppliers had so much stock. Yes, yeah, Not yeah, that yeah. I did that, but yeah. I recall people doing it. Anyway, the problem with this jacuzzi... Well, you bath, bought a brand new one. Yeah, that high value, yes. <sighs> Fuck off. It smells. That's his problem with All it. All right, OK. And he's wondering how to clean out, purify... Yeah, so look, you can buy specialist stuff for it, but to be honest with you, just get yourself a bottle of Milton or generic Milton, the sterilising fluid, maybe even two of them, and uh, just put it in the bath. So the way the, the jacuzzi bath works is there's... There's a kind of a reservoir underneath and it feeds, it takes the water from that and pushes it out under pressure. So uh, the problem is there's a buildup of horrible gunk in, the, in the, the reservoir underneath. So the water is being recycled. So the water that is in the, the bath that you're, you've been soaking in, you know, Will is now soaking his, his you know, 17 and a half stone in 
the bath. I would have had and hot water. The heating oil's gone. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, uh, but unfortunately, you know, back to we mentioned earlier, the shower drain. So the body fat, the shower gel, the whole lot is now in, in that little reservoir, a big enough reservoir at the bottom. And it all settles. And of course, you know, anytime you get, you look, if you had a bath and pull the plug and, or even better still, have a bath and don't pull the plug and look into the bath the following morning and just look at what has settled in the bottom of the bath. It's not pretty. Um, so some of, a lot of that now is in this reservoir at the bottom. So it's all about disinfecting it, really. So just get a couple of bottles of sterilising fluid, as I say, Milton or Milton equivalent, and put them in, put some water in, maybe just a quarter full of bath. Really just you need to go over the jets and just let the thing run for a while, leave it for a few hours, let it run again, leave it for a couple of hours, let it run again. It doesn't have to be hot. And just you're trying to get this mixture that you've put together in and then leave it to work and just do that a few times. All right. And, and, and once he's done it. the heavy time the first time, how often routinely thereafter? Yeah, you only have to do it maybe once a year or twice a year. That's all. Brian Clunan is here from Clunan's Hardware in Tullamore until 11. And when you call with your question, the number is 0818 300 103. No, we won't freak out just yet. <laughs> maybe later. Sheik, get back in your place. Now, Edel has a clever idea for the oil tank. If you have the materials and the know-how and the time... So she built a wall around the tank, put a roof on it, essentially a shed, and then a door with a lock. But um, she found that the oil was being taken out of other people's tanks by boring into the tank itself. And they often follow oil lorries to different places and scope out where the fresh supply may be. Her shed proved to be an effective deterrent as some other neighbours weren't so lucky. Yeah, excellent. And you have a shed that you can store stuff in as mm. well. If you have the space. If you have the space, yeah. Alrighty, next is a question about hotspot, or bluestone as the case may be. How often should you put it in the fire and how long in advance of the chimney being swept? So, uh, good question. If it's, if it's, you have various different ones and generally they tend, so the cheapest one will always be the bluestone and then it goes up, you know, hotspot, comate, there's various fluid cleaners. Um, I would always say if you, it depends how bad the problem is, you see, that's, it's all got to do with the, the, the tar that comes out of your chimney. Um, but if you, if you're buying it tomorrow, if you're starting tomorrow to do it, you're using it at least once a day for a week. And then maybe you go down to twice a week and then down to once a week as a maintenance. Uh, but it depends entirely on how bad the problem is. I'd always point out that nine times out of ten, it's caused by condensation in the chimney. So the, the best solution, if you did construction study years ago, you were always told the only answer to condensation is ventilation. So the same thing applies in your chimney. So it's about venting the chimney. So damping down at night. If you have a stove or a range and you damp it down at night, as in close off the dampers and make the fire burn much longer, that is a major contributing factor. So as much as you can, open up the flue when you go to bed. Open up the dampers. Next. <clears throat> can you ask Brian where I can get a mini roller sleeve that won't lose fibres when I use it? The ones I get these days are useless, including mohair and foam types. Uh, again, um, 
it's they're definitely available out there. Again, it's one of these things you generally tend to get what you pay for. There are various microfiber ones. They're twice the price of the ordinary roller, but they do give a better finish and they last longer. So it's a matter of just have a look around and see, can you get one of the better quality ones? You will pay, pay more for it, though. OK, Pat recommends a steel frame around the tank, again, with galvanise or whatever, lock yeah. it, turn it into effectively a shed. Yeah. Um, Mick says, my neighbour had his diesel tank emptied last year and he was so mad he filled it with water. <laughs> OK, that sounds... Uh... But that's only going to work if they yeah. come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. It's only really going to work if you're switching from oil to a different source. I'm going to sit here yeah. in the cold and yeah. not turn on my heater <laughs> until they come back and rob me again. Yeah. I think there's a definite case of them following the oil lorries because they. It, it, so many times we've had customers come into the shop looking for a lock for their oil tank. And, and the, the number of times that conversation in the first three sentences has, has included in it. And I wouldn't mind. I only got a fill the other day. That so yeah. definitely it's a case I think of 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 they 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 follow the lorry. Chris is asking about you know those chimney cleaning logs. Yes, can you use them in an open fireplace? Oh, you can absolutely. So the chimney cleaning log is exactly the same as the the bluestone, the wood, the hot spot, whatever comate, but it's a it's a kind of nuclear version of it. So it does an awful lot in the space of a few hours. So if you and actually sorry, I didn't answer properly the, the last question properly. One of the questions included in the last one is how how long should you use it before the chimney sweep comes? So if you're using the powder, use it for a week use it at least once a day or twice a day for a week before the chimney sweep is calling. Uh, if you're using the log, just burn it the day before. Um, the, the, the log put is the same as putting in, you know, a full tub of hot spot in all at the same time. But it, it's, a, it's, o- it's burnt over a period of time. It burns for a number of hours. So it's a very effective way. And I, I had a chimney sweep in with me one time and he took a picture of the, the chimney before and after using the log. And you could see where the, the tar was wet and runny. And after using the log, it was gone grey and dry. So it was, beforehand, it was jet black, tarry, liquidy. And then after using the log, it was gone dried to a grey, much harder, powdery surface. So, and his point was that when he cleaned the chimney now, a lot more is going to come away because it's not sticky. Like when you clean a sticky chimney, you can imagine running a, a bottle brush up to something that's really sticky. You know, it's leaving a good part of it behind. But if the whole thing is dry and crumbly, when you clean it now, it all just falls down into the chimney. So it does a much better job. So it's always a good policy to, to use one of those products uh, before the chimney before the chimney sweep comes. Back to the earlier call about the teenager's hair in the shower yep. drain. And you had recommended, uh, was it a caustic soda solution? No, for the, well, the better one is always the acid one. It's much more dangerous, but it is the better one for the hair. All right. But either, where does it go from the shower? The concern being if it goes into the grey water, fine. Will it go to the septic tank and do damage, not necessarily damage, but kill off some of the bacteria? If if you're in doubt, no. If If you're in doubt, if you have a septic tank and you feel it's going to the septic tank, use the acid one because it goes straight to the bottom of the tank. It's heavier than water. So when you pick up, if you had a litre of sulfuric acid and a litre of water in front of you and you lift the two of them, 
I would say the sulfuric acid is at least twice the weight of a litre of water. So it's heavier than water. It doesn't dilute with water. It's one of the reasons it works so well. So if you can imagine, if you had a, particularly if you imagine a sewer pipe, say a sewer pipe running from your house to your septic tank. If you take the lid off and look in, you will see the whole bottom of the pipe is coated, you know, with a deposit that has built up over time. And if you use a normal drain and blocker, it, it, it takes some of that away. But if you use the acid drain and blocker, because it's heavier than water, it rolls along the bottom of the pipe, eating everything in its path, all the organic waste. Now, it doesn't affect soil, sand or plastic. Uh, but all the organic waste is eaten away as it rolls along the pipe and it goes straight to the bottom of the tank. So all the activity in your tank is all up at the surface. That's where all the bacteria is. It's all, it needs the oxygen. And that's, that's why it's all up there at the surface. It needs the oxygen to survive. But the septic tank, all the, the sulfuric mm. acid will go straight to the bottom of the septic tank. All righty. Reminds me of my dog, actually. He eats any organic matter at all. Oh, lovely. <laughs> We were carving pumpkins the other day. He did not. You know the pumpkin wow, seed? Yeah. I didn't see him eat it. But it was gone. It, it was back again. It was recycled <laughs> oh, a few no. days later. Oh, wow. Yes, indeed. Now, next query. How do you get rid of wild onions taking over your garden? Um, I suppose, look, spray them with a bit of... Um, this time of the year it won't be... Well, if you get a, a, a dry day, so if you spray them with a bit of uh, one of the... the the either ga- uh, Roundup or Gallop or one of those weed killers that enter through the leaves, spray it in through the leaves. It doesn't go down into the roots, but it, it, it works its way down. It doesn't work... It doesn't go into the plant through the roots. It goes in through the leaves. So uh, it will enter the system and it will kill it off. You, you'll probably have to do it twice, but they really do take over. By the way, Joe in Eden Derry says... He bought a shed for his septic tank, custom made by Clonerol Engineering. They're in Dangan, and he says it was a super job. So Very good. Nice recommendation to get. And another caller would like you to repeat the name of the apparatus for the oil tank, which tells you when it's low. So the brand that I know of, and there may be other brands out there, the one that I know of is Oil Watchman. Now, they're not cheap. Like, they're, I don't know between 150 and 200 euro so but they do last for years and years and years and uh oil watchman i think my memory is they're made by one of the i think it might be kingspan or one of those people and um as i say you drop this thing into the tank you drop two parts you drop one piece into the tank and then um the the other one goes into the house and uh it it gives you a reading what's in the tank and it lets you know when it's running low John, and take his comment under advisement, he says he was having agri-diesel stolen on many occasions a few years ago. So to solve the problem, he filled two drums with diesel but mixed sulfuric acid in. Oh, my God. Now, he says a few days later, he found out who the culprit was when some John Deere tractors ran into serious engine trouble. Thereafter, the stealing stopped. You can't help but feel that's karma is, is, what did they say, karma's a bitch? A healthy dose of karma yeah. there, absolutely. It's like the old one years ago with the, with the ones, with the, 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 the turf being stolen. You remember this? No? No, turf, it's, it's, it has been done. Turf being stolen. And, you know, Brian Clunan has a fair idea that it's Will Fortner stealing the turf, but he can't catch him. 
So uh, drill a hole in the turf mm. and put in a firework <gasps> or a banger. Right. And so do that on a few of them and position it near the front where the turf is likely to be taken. And of course, when you hear or hear of somebody's fireplace, you know, practically exploding, but obviously it's very, very dangerous. So we would. I was about to say, can I please? We wouldn't recommend that. At all. This, this is probably an urban myth, actually. Now that I think of it. Yeah, please disassociate Midlands 103 with sulfuric acid and diesel fireworks and turf and any other dangerous <laughs> mixtures. Right, where are we going next? Well, actually, I'll tell you where we're going in the next hour. The story of the last beekeeper, a story where you influence the ending. Find out how that works from half past 11. Also, if you want to dance in a nightclub, if you are of such an age and such energy. it's, It's probably not likely, I have to be honest. Well, you're going to have to have your plan well made because oh, you well need I'm to buy your tickets. Anytime I go to the nightclub, I'm really organised. You'll need your ticket <laughs> an hour in advance at least. So how will this work? I'm smiling. A solution here to block drain from Brian Daly in Tullamore Pipe and Bra- Drain Cleaning. Call him. That's his solution. You know, we, we, do, we do hacks. So his hack is call him. <laughs> yeah. Can we send him a bill for that? Yeah, you send him a bill. See, will he pay it? Yeah. Midlands today's Mr. Fixit with a range of living and sitting room suites, including beautiful Italian leather suites at Aramount Furniture Tullamore. A deposit secures yours. Visit Aramount Furniture in Clonculloch Industrial Estate Tullamore or find them on Facebook. Oh gosh, bad memories here. But Deirdre is asking somebody text on the program last week recommending potato skins to be placed in a solid fuel cooker. But what was it good for? Well, allegedly, I don't think the science backs it up, allegedly, for, for helping to dry out the chimney. I don't know. I think we looked at this a long time ago. and So stick to the blue stone or the comate or the hotspot. So, yeah, okay, yeah, right. I think so. um, next question. Yes. Can you burn hotspot or a log to clean the chimney if it's a flexi flue? You, you'll have to check with so it depends if it's aluminium or stainless steel it definitely doesn't affect stainless steel but it, it, it can affect aluminium so you just want to check and see what your flexi flu is made of uh, it won't affect how do you do that um, go back to wherever supplied the flexi flu and ask the question I suppose I don't know how to do it otherwise um, what if you bought the house and it came with it <laughs> uh, I don't know I'll have to I'll, I'll work on that I know See, the, with the magnet, if, if I'm wondering if something claims to be stainless steel and uh, you're wondering, is it, I put a magnet to it. But the problem is the magnet doesn't, doesn't stick to either stainless steel or aluminium. So that's not a test. But we would we'd sometimes get p- products that claim to be stainless steel, but they're actually only, you know, a stainless steel finish and they're not actually stainless steel. So we'd always be, put the magnet on it ch- to check it. Pat has a question that would make me nervous if I was him. So... A fridge has a smell of burning coming from it. It's actually a fridge freezer, but the fridge part is emitting the burning smell. Okay, no, you need to you need to get that checked out. So that is the motor in underneath the fridge or at the back of the fridge, and you know any motor that smells of burning needs to be turned off and stopped and get the domestic appliance engineer, also known as the fridge man or woman, to come and look at it. But I definitely wouldn't just let it burn. I mean that's that's not good. Um, and needs to stop. Ellen in Stradbally 
has a large serving plate which belonged to her great grandmother. <laughs> and it says, Gobshite of a husband broke it last week. Now, it's been in the family for generations, and along comes Muggins. Anyway, she says, It's a clean break and it's in two pieces. What is the best chance to glue it back together <laughs> so the rest of the family won't notice? <laughs> Yeah, you can kind of sympathise. You can see where you can see where she's coming from. So, look, the one thing you don't use is any of the super glues because uh, they tend to whiten, and you will tend to notice. But they're also not as strong. So, what you're really looking for is a clear epoxy glue. So, E P O X Y. Loads of different brands out there. Super epoxy is one, uh, but there's loads of brands. It's the clear one is the one you want. You want it to be crystal clear when it dries. Because it's a two-pack glue, it's very, very, very strong. So one of the things, most of those two-pack glues say that it sets in five minutes. So it is a quick glue, but it's the other way super glue sets in seconds. This sets in about five minutes. So you do have to, you have to practice without any glue on it. You have to practice putting the plate together. Make sure, you know, does it sit on the table and stay together? Probably not. You're probably going to have to tape it together. But you need to practice first and see do I turn it upside down? So probably the best thing is turn it upside down, push the two bits together, have a bit of sellotape that pulls, clamps, maybe two weights, maybe push two heavy books together to keep the pressure on it. And don't overdo the glue. You're better with small, so it's a two-pack glue. So you, there's two tubes and you mix them together. You mix them together equally and get, say, a nail or a pen or something, mix it all together and do dots all along one half of the plate and then push it together. And even though it says, it says that it sets in five minutes, leave it overnight. It does, it sets in five minutes, but it cures over a number of hours. And I've done that with a number of things, and they've gone in and out of the dishwasher since. Now, if, if there's any excess, the bit that's, that you can see can be paired off afterwards, but if you, if you put it in and out of the dishwasher, it will turn pink eventually with the heat from the dishwasher. But a serving plate, maybe just wash it by hand from now on. But I will be shocked and surprised and disappointed if that doesn't work for her. And if she does it nice and neatly with loads of little dots as opposed to a big dollop, it'll never be seen. You'll look, close inspection, it'll look like a crack, but it, you won't know that it's broken. Put it up high in yeah, a display yeah. case get, with a nice exactly. sheen. and you, you, know. Can get, you know the plate wires that you can hang a plate on the wall? Mm. You can also get a plate pad. Or st- I forget what it's called. It's a disc anyway that's self-adhesive. And uh, I think they're much nicer than the plate wires. You stick them on the back of the plate. You leave it to set. And now you can hang the plate in such a way that you c- can no longer see the 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 suspension you can't see the wire um, but it is removable afterwards so if you decided you know I've, I'm after putting a, a sticker on great granny's plate and I shouldn't have done that you can just soak it overnight in water and it'll come off Christina recommends Gorilla Glue in this situation no don't use Gorilla Glue uh, Gorilla Glue expands ah. so it, it gives you a foam it expands bigger than the thing itself. You will definitely notice and that. And you will definitely notice that, yeah. OK, Brian, thank you very much. Thanks, Will. Let's chat again next Wednesday. Mr Fixit on Midlands 183 returns next Wednesday morning at 20 past 10 with Armand Furniture, Clancolic Industrial Estate to Lamore and their full range of furniture and furnishings for every room in the home. Find Armand Furniture to Lamore on Facebook. Good morning. Now, still on the menu today, the book about The Last Beekeeper, which is a story where you influence the ending. 
Find out how that works at half past 11. Also, heavy rain forecast for many parts of the Midlands. The further south you are, the heavier it will be today. Will it clear by Halloween so you can enjoy some trick-or-treating this weekend? And entertainment news. Quite a lot to cover, uh, including Molly May and Tyson Fury, or Tommy Fury, I should say. Uh, 800 grand stolen from their home. What on earth would you have in your house that is worth that much money? First, though, tweet at 103WF. Robert has been in touch about the new ticketing system which is proposed for pubs and nightclubs that facilitate dancing. You will have to book your ticket one hour in advance. And he says this is similar to the 105-minute time limit to prevent the spread of COVID or the nine-euro miracle meal that protected you from COVID. And likewise, the ticket to the club will make sure you're not infected, he says, with tongue firmly in cheek. Now, I think the argument for the ticketing is that if there is an outbreak within a venue, it will make it easier to track down everybody who was there. So for contact tracing purposes, the ticket is necessary. Let's see how the industry feels about this. Liam Gilleran is the chairman of the West Meath branch of the Vintners Federation. That's the umbrella group for pubs and clubs in the county. How workable is this in your view, Liam? Good morning. Morning, Will. How are you? Uh, speaking to my members here that are involved in the late night bar and nightclub industry, it just seems to be a nonsense. It's, I know it's easy for people to go and buy a ticket online to do it regularly on event management or just uh, go onto the club website and you have your ticket on your phone and it's just very easy peasy, happy days. But using the contact tracing, in my opinion, is... I don't know, it's just letting them off the hook a bit again because every single business uh, that we, well, I can only speak for myself and my members, but the book is still being worked. Uh, the regulations and guidelines haven't diminished. They're still there. It's part and parcel of the whole hospitality that you take the name, the number, the vaccination cert, and the nightclub industry is aware of that. But I find the ticket is a bit silly. Now, how are you going to police that? I do not know. It's out on a public thoroughfare, uh, which is not on private property. It goes back to what I spoke about last year. It'd be great to see someone in the HSC, the comment I made there last year, if they're really serious about it, why don't they put their own members out to police all this and take us off the hook because the people that are involved in hospitality are getting in the neck anyway. This is my interpretation, and tell me if I'm wrong, but if somebody is going into a nightclub without a ticketing system, then there's going to be a queue while they find their cash and they fumble for their card or whatever way they're paying and... Then it's printed off and handed to them and it just causes that domino delay through a queue. And obviously if people are congregating in a queue, that's not going to facilitate social distancing. The theory would be if tickets are bought in advance and you simply flash it at the bouncer or whoever's on the door, well, the line will move faster. People won't be congregating outside. Will the theory reflect reality? It never does. I mean, we've seen a lot of theories since last March, 12 months. So where does it all end? You had the nine euro meals, you can't sit at the bar counter, then we had outdoor dining and somebody forgot to tell them there wasn't Spain or Portugal. And now we have the nightclub scenario where they're trying to bring the ticket in, the electronic ticket. Uh, if I'm really being honest with you, Will, I'd say they really want to, to close the nightclubs down. The pattern seems to be heading the same as it was last year. It'll leave us open for another week or two. I wouldn't be one bit surprised if they close hospitality down in November. 
because of where the numbers are going and the hospital numbers, and then they're probably open us for a few weeks in December and probably close it down again. And that's a, that's a pattern that we feel privately is heading that direction. But the theory end of it does not reflect in practicality. I mean, we had meetings last week with the relevant department, and we didn't we didn't meet anybody of any substance, and one of them actually admitted to us that they didn't even know what they were going to do. Uh, Michal Martin said it there in the doll last week that there will be anomalies. By God, that covers a multitude, you know. So where do you draw a line in the sand as regards COVID? You know, I can speak personally because I had COVID myself, as did my wife and some staff here, and we closed the place down for a couple of days. And the advice of the HSC and they were tremendous. But at the end of the day, it's something that we have to live with and get on with. And bringing in a ticketing system and an electronic on your phone or the way they're running the pubs at the moment with the guidelines, you know, we have to bite the bullet and just get on with it. And tough that it is, we have to. We have no choice. I mean, well, let me just give you from from the Irish Times this morning on its front page. There's a story about the projections of cases being in the five to six thousand range within a few weeks. Ministers being given that warning yesterday, and the feeling, according to unnamed ministers, is that there won't be a return to lockdown but that people within hospitality need to read the room. Nightclubs are open for the first time in a year and a half. Yes, there may be a requirement for ticketing, but isn't it better than being closed? Yes, you know, the point is half full, and I think it's great to see it opened. But, I mean, just uh, ticketing electronically uh, from a nightclub perspective, even from a late bar. I'll give you a small example. You have a late bar, you have customers there having a pint, whatever it is, and then the bar is going to extend less until two o'clock or half two. Do the patrons in the pub leave the pub and get a ticket electronically to go around to the door to go back into the same venue they were sitting from nine o'clock? You know, it's, the, the the logic and the practicality of it is just it's not it's not real. You know, and I would love these departments sit down and speak to the relevant stakeholders, dash nightclub owner, publican, uh, manager, whatever. You know, uh, trying to form an opinion when you don't work in the industry is very, very difficult and that's been happening to us all through this. And I know... But equally the there's an onus on the industry to bring forward ideas and solutions as well. So if you were sitting across the table from the Minister, us. Liam, what would you say is a better solution than ticketing? Well, I... Look, at you're asking me really... been brutally honest, I'd say... Leave the nightclub. I know we've seen the pictures there in Copper Face Jacks last week, and we've seen the same thing here in Mullingar. You know, uh, it's very simple in the sense that you have an X amount of number in the nightclub, which will be decided by the fire officer. And, the, and it's, let's say you're allowed 300 in it, well, then it's 300 that gets in. You know, and what you do is you have your proper security outside, and that involves the police and involves uh, the HSC have to step up to this too and bring people on board to police this. Because there is a collective responsibility in this, not just alone the owner of the pub, but also the Joe public themselves. You know that we this is this is not going to go away. You know, so whether I walk into a clothes shop or into a pub or into GEA or Cusick Park, whatever, there's a collective responsibility in this. And I feel sorry for hospitality again that we, time and time and time again, the finger is pointed at us. You've seen the same scenario earlier on this year where we were told that the numbers were caused by hospitality and yet we were closed since last December and yet the numbers in January and February and March were growing at an awful rate and we were closed. For the record, there are a lot of listeners contacting us to say that the ticketing system doesn't make sense for various different reasons but what's probably absent is an idea that would work more effectively. I take your point that do you keep this indefinitely or does hospitality become a seasonal business? 
obviously not. Uh, COVID isn't going anywhere. Um, but finding plan B seems to be the challenge. Yeah, and it always will be. I mean, it's, look, at I don't want to come across as sour grapes here all the time, you know, because this COVID is something completely new to humanity, you know, and it's something that we have to think hard and fast on the hoof. Uh, but nonetheless, I think hospitality in general has done a fantastic job and the numbers back up as the guards were happened earlier on this year and the reopening we were asked to do their outdoor dining and then the gradual reopening again. So that's been very positive. What's brought this to a head again, apart from the fact that numbers are raising anyway, uh, we all can see that, is this making the nightclub scenario very difficult for the nightclub owners again because you must remember they've been closed for over 550 days, no break whatsoever, and they're trying to get their business back up and going again. And as soon as they have a busy weekend and a bank holiday weekend, all of a sudden they're on the spotlight. I get that. But nonetheless, most nightclub owners, even the late night bar uh, owners, are very responsible individuals. And they work within the numbers that are set down by the fire officers regardless of the numbers they have on their premises. Now, if that needs to be policed by the Gardaí, let them police it, or the HSC, or the relevant authorities. But you can't expect one person to police all this when everybody in society has to be responsible about this horrendous uh, virus that's gone around. Final one Uh, for you, because this has come in from a couple of listeners in the last minute or two. The prospect of antigen testing at a venue, which whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, there's a damn good chance it'll pick up whether you're infectious. Would the yes, industry I, swallow the cost of doing that? I'd say personally there would be, I'd no doubt that the likes of the breweries and the distilleries and the major stakeholders would definitely help the industry as regards the financial impact on that one. It's probably looking like that at this stage because it most certainly is not relenting, you know, we, we're, you and I are having this conversation a long time now, oh. and I say, well, into next year again, we'll be having the same conversation. I hope not. <laughs> really hope not, know. as do you. <laughs> Liam, you thank know. you very much. I appreciate your time, as always. Not at all, Will. Talk to you soon. Liam Gillerin is chairman of the Westmeath branch of the VFI. He represents vintners around the county, and, of course, he runs Gillerin's Bar in Mullingar. 17 minutes past 11. It's time to check out the range of suits for graduations, weddings and formal wear up to size 64 at Guy Clothing High Street Tullamore. The leading clothing destination for every man. Follow Guy Clothing Tullamore on social media. Steve, you find this ticket idea for nightclubs to be a nonsense. Just because you have a ticket doesn't mean you're not infectious. And if the bouncer doesn't like the look of you, you and your group are not getting in. And how do you get your refund in that situation? Well, I have a digital COVID certificate and every year I get tonsillitis. Right. But I book my ticket for a local nightclub tomorrow night. Um, But I need to get a COVID test since I have the prescription for my tonsils. It's ridiculous. I'm not sure I get all the detail of that, but I think because maybe you have a temperature, is it because of your tonsillitis? You have to go through the ringer to prove it's not actually COVID, which is obviously extra work. Next, weather over the next few days. It's going to be very wet in some parts of the Midlands over the course of the next few hours. Will there be a reprieve in time for Halloween? James in Portlaoise, coming back to a question of a broken plate, a rather precious one, a lady in County Leash whose husband managed to shatter it into two pieces despite it being in the family for generations. James recommends the store yard in Portlaoise 
they are very skilled and might be able to point her in the right direction when it comes to fixing it. Thank you indeed. Now, speaking of County Leash, it is one of the counties where Met Erin advises there's going to be some rather heavy rainfall today. Let's find out what to expect, not alone this morning, but also as we look towards Halloween and trick-or-treating. Cahill Nolan is here from Ireland's Weather Channel. Good morning, Cahill. Very good morning, Will. What can we expect today, first of all? First of all, today I think we can expect it's pretty much a split across the country. So it's the southern half of the country that's expected to see the worst of the conditions. There is a band of rain, pretty heavy as that, lying across the south southeast of the country. That will affect some parts of the Midlands, probably the south Midlands, as indicated by the weather warnings from that air. Certainly parts of Leash, maybe South Offaly as well, could see some particularly heavy rain. And of course with that, that will lie upon the road. So there's a lot of surface water about do take care if you are travelling about on the roads but in general it's probably a split picture today there's a lot of cloud about regardless as to where you're going to be across the country there will be some outbreaks of rain but the heaviest of that at all times will be across the south and southeast of the country and I noticed tomorrow likely to be wet in a few parts as well but perhaps fizzling out later one trend over the next few days the temperatures are heading downwards they are. So again, that particular front that we're talking about that's bringing the rain across the south and southeast of the country at the moment, that's basically a dividing line between warmer air to the east of that and then much cooler, fresher air coming in from the Atlantic behind. So over the course of the next couple of days, I think the reason that we're having such heavy rain is on account of the fact that that dividing line, let's say between the warmer and colder air, that's going to be pretty much lying across the country. So depending upon which side of that band we find ourselves at various times, you'll see alternating kind of temperatures. But in general, I think Ireland is going to find itself probably on the cooler side of that particular band of rain. And, okay, a little chilly, but will it be wet? For Halloween, it's a little bit tricky at the moment. And the reason behind that is we're lying in, I suppose, an unstable southwesterly airflow. But within that airflow, there are some we probably term in a meteorological sense of some micro lows. So they're very small areas of low pressure which can spin up or spin down so develop or, or kind of dissipate at a pretty short notice. At the moment, it looks like there's a small low pressure west coast on the Now, probably the Midlands will hold dry for a good part of Sunday. But with that, there probably still is the risk of seeing some outbreaks of rain later on in the evening time, maybe around about the trick-or-treating time. So certainly it's a case of just keeping up to date with the forecast for Sunday at the moment. It's a little bit tricky to predict, but just keep up to date with the latest weather. Very good. We'll hold the brollies for now anyway. It's needed today. Appreciate your time, Cahill. Thank you. Thank you very much as always, Will. That's Cahill Nolan from Road in County Offaly. You can follow him at Ireland's Weather Channel on Facebook. 28 minutes after 11 on this Wednesday morning. If you haven't already talked to me this week, please do, because €100 Euro can be yours, thanks to Texas in Tullamore. Sounds like I have no friends, doesn't it? Please talk to me for 100 quid. Anyway, there you'll find them on William Street in Tullamore, or you can buy online from texastom.ie. Whether you're in the market for deals in men's, ladies' or children's fashions. Now... If you are concerned about the future of this planet and if you want your child to open their eyes to some of the challenges we face, don't go anywhere. I think you'll enjoy this next story. Once upon a time, when John Whelan was in this studio, we had many, many arguments 
about you meandering more than the Shannon or something uh, to that effect. Good old ding-dongs. Good, old, good ding old ding-dongs. Not Mi- wrong. Uh, someone from Cork once time said after a, a GA scrap, a, a good old punch-up never hurt anyone. No, <laughs> no. no, we enjoyed them. And look, we're here, anyway. we're here to talk about a different once upon a time. Stories. Uh, because I'm not introducing John Whelan, I'm introducing Johnny Renko. Who is Johnny Renko? Yeah, well, I suppose Johnny Renko is my pseudonym, my pen name, my alter ego, my hippie handle. So, you know, it's just to distinguish out from, you know, o- other other kind of things I do. And it's the it's the pen name and pseudonym I use on my latest book, The Last Beekeeper. And um, it, as I, I'm not just sort of meaning to be pedantic about it, but it's not a children's book, but a book for children mm-hmm. and the children of all ages and those young at heart. Well, well there is a moral in this. I don't want to give too much away, but it's universal. It's a challenge that will face every living being on this planet. Absolutely. And that's the way I saw it. I mean, there's a great tradition in Ireland. While the story is universal, it's set in a mythical Irish landscape. And there's a, a phrase in Irish from the back to the Shanachian storytelling tradition, Oglun when kids would sit on the knees of their parents or grandparents and you know, that before going to bed at night or indeed at Halloween, they'd sort of be you know, prodding you to tell us a story. And we all have sort of memories of that and sort of, you know, the stories would be sort of half true, half untrue, met up and in the moment. And, um, you know, that's it's it's so it's, it's to be read aloud in an intergenerational experience, the parent, the older sibling, the grandparent, you know, engaging with the younger person, maybe from nine to 12 years of age and maybe, you know, blackguarding together, having a discussion, having a discourse, agreeing, disagreeing, learning new words. There's a glossary at the back of the book which sort of deals with colloquialisms. Um, your colleague, Claire Bird, was interviewing Mangon, uh, the, the great uh, linguist, uh, and Ari, uh, Gail Gore yesterday, and, and, and she came up with the, the, the phrase that I use in the book, Stukon. And some of these phrases are, you know, just from a particular area. So we, we do have a glossary at the back to help people sort of enjoy the book more and to check exactly what we're prompting at. But the whole idea is that, you know, to get back to that tradition of, discourse, discussion, maybe debate um, and uh, you know, between the generations and to enjoy the book. And perhaps then it, it, it's a book that would be read by younger adults, uh, younger teenagers, maybe from the 13 to 15 age group in their own right. And they could explore it and enjoy it. And uh, so well, far, it's, certainly it's one that I think parents should introduce to even younger children. And I intend to do so because it's told nearly through their eyes. So you've got these two protagonists and I love how it opens where there's a, a conversation happening between two adults down below and of course they're up in the tree and they're half hearing things and then the Chinese whispers develop almost. Exactly. And it goes exactly. from there. Yeah and I mean anyone who's you know been around with children and I so you know I'm appealing here in this book to our inner child you know there's a child within us all which we should never lose that sense of awe that sense of wonder that sense of surprise and, and love of nature that we have as kids. And as you say, I remember as a kid, you know, cre- sneaking down at night, you know, to pretend I wanted to go to the loo and sit in between my uncle's uh, knees uh, when, when, when the adults were, were watching uh, the Late Late Show back in the day when Gay Byrne was, was in his heyday in the 1960s. And, you know, kids have a habit of sort of, you know, earwigging. That's I, I, and, and, and listening in and, you know, as you say, getting you know, half the story, picking up other information. But there, there's a serious message in that because we live in an age of where we get our information. What information are we getting? 
what is the validity of that information, what is true, what is not in an era of fake news. You know, so the, the, the story works on a number of levels and sort of there's the straightforward story and then there's the metaphorical proposition that it represents. Now you've weaved in quite a few themes. There's a nature theme going through this and people may know Ricky Whelan is your son and Ricky is involved in Birdwatch Ireland. He's appeared on Midlands 103 many times and told the most fabulous stories about the natural world. I can almost hear him as I read this. So did you influence him? Did he influence you? Where does this love of nature come from in the Whelan household? Yeah, well, I suppose it's a bit of both. I'd like to think. I know that in his case and in other children's cases, they spend an awful lot of time with their grandparents. And your grandparents uh, in this story, you know, the granny and grandpa uh, uh, characters in this story play, play a key role because... Uh, you know, very often children do resort to their grandparents uh, it, 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 you know, for security, for information, for advice, uh, for sanctuary. And you know, so I do think that, um, and, and I suppose we, we are now living in an age where things are evolving and we're all evolving and, and so, so rapidly. I suppose uh, you know, you'd like to think as a parent you are influencing your children. At what stage does that stop? At what stage should it stop? And then in turn, you know, the, the younger generation are certainly leading the way at the moment in, in terms of influencing. Uh, if you take you know, the Greta Thunberg generation, they're setting the agenda and their attitude and their concerns um, are feeding back into public policy. And I would say, you know, the political establishment worldwide are, 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 are playing catch up with what younger people are saying to us. And again, coming to the moral of the story, that's one of the lasting thoughts from this book. Again, I don't want to give it away, but it's about the future and whether there will be a future and who's going to influence that. Along with some little pearls of wisdom on the way. For instance, don't eat the yellow snow. <laughs> so these Irish customs and phrases crop up quite a bit. That's intentional, yes? It is, yeah. I mean, look, uh, as I said, the, 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 the story and the, 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 the subject matter, you know, whether it's nature, the environment, climate chaos... Uh, biodiversity, all of those issues and climate action, they're universal. But the story is, you know, it, it's heart and soul uh, are, are, are set in Ireland. And, you know, in terms of moral, you don't want to be moralising, don't want to be preachy, don't want to be finger pointing. And neither do we want to be too pessimistic or negative. Um, there are challenges, there are issues, there are problems, but we are evolving and we always have evolved as, as uh, you know, mankind and, and womankind to, 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 to find solutions. And um, you know, so the proposition of the story, as you say, you know, without spoiling the story, is to suggest, you know, that there, you know, like in life itself, we have to be, you know, the, 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 the painting on the front cover of the book, which is getting a lot of attention in its own right, is called Resilience. And it's a painting that dates back to 2017 by Autumn Sky Morrison, who's a Canadian artist. So I would say it's a story of resilience and ultimately one of hope, it, it, optimistic with some caveats. Uh, you know, and, and, and at the start, we open up with a quote from the, 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 the French philosopher Sartre to, to say, you know, all our words have consequences and so too our silences. So, you know, what we do and what we don't do matters. And so it, the, the story is to try and sort of prod and suggest to, 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 to younger people and indeed us all that, you know, what we do next really counts. That picture you refer to, 
it shows a child on the front cover and the child is embracing a bee uh, in a very precious sort of way. So why select that and how as well did you manage to get the rights to put it on the front page? Yeah, well, first of all, it is a stunning piece. I mean, you know, if, if ever a book was to be judged by its cover, I'd love if people would judge this book by its cover. And I would say it's worth having for the cover alone. Mm. It's a beautiful it's a piece, piece of, of art. Work. Yeah. And as I said, the artist is Autumn Sky Morrison, who, whose work is just amazing. And um, she's from British Columbia in Canada. And a lot of her work delves into issues of nature, wildlife and Mother Earth. Uh, I also have to mention that Gavin Cowley, who is indeed from Tullamore, he went then and took that image and designed the book cover. And that's a real skill in itself as a graphic designer and an artist, because the important thing was sort of to bring the, the, the image, to amplify it, to give it a meaning as a book cover, but without intruding on the original artwork and the original painting, which, as I said, is, is, is entitled Resilience. Uh, How did you find it, John? I mean, it's not going to be on Shutterstock or Google. Oh, well, in fact, that image has been, as I said, kicking around to some extent since 2017. Autumn Sky Morrison has it up on her own website and her own portfolio of work. I just fell in love with it the minute I saw it. It reached out to me in the sense that looking into that child's eyes, it could be any child. Mm. And that's the point. It's not uh, prescriptive. I would like to think that any child and every child can actually imagine themselves being in this story, that they are the protagonists, that they are the people setting out on this journey. And I I just felt that uh, there's a certain sadness in the eyes, there's a certain forlorn quality, but at the same time, a determination uh, to to hold onto the bee. There's a protective embrace there. Exactly. But also there's a strength and a courage there to stand out, to stand up and be counted. And, you know, to some extent, you know, that, that the story is about that as well. That not always to go with the herd or the flock and that, uh, you know, so the piece. So, in fact, it's, it's more straightforward than it seems. I, I contacted her and I spoke to her. We hit it off. We, we, we were on the same page, as it were, in terms of our approach and our concerns around the environment and climate issues and what should happen. And she was, uh, you know, so, so she was happy. Uh, we came to an arrangement that I could use the image and respectfully acknowledge it. And um, so there it is. I mean, for me, once I saw it, there could be no other book cover. Well, it's an adventure that begins in the Midlands and meanders from there. And your own beginnings of this story, again, start in the Midlands. Yeah, absolutely in the Midlands, in the Sleep Blue Mountains, in fact, because uh, it's inspired. It's important to, to clarify for people that it's not a book about the Rainbow Gathering or the Rainbow People, but rather inspired Mm. by them, infused by them. Uh, When I first met them, almost 30 years ago now, so it's taken me quite a while to get around to doing this and to distill it down into the story that I always wanted to write. I'm really thrilled with it and um, I'm really happy to finally have it out. But the Rainbow People who came to Ballyhopahorn in Rose and Alice in the Sleep Bloom Mountains in 1993, it was a most amazing event and I was fascinated how up to 5,000 people at its peak could live on the side of a mountain, beside a stream, in the, you know, in, in, in the shadow of the forest, in Ballyhopahot, in Rosadales, in the Schlee Blooms, for, for, for two months, uh, over a period of two months, in perfect harmony, not just with each other, but with nature. And there were from over 30 different nationalities there. And when they left, you would not know they had been there. 
not a cigarette pa- uh, butt, not, 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 not a sweet paper, not a can, not a plastic bottle. And the, the day they went, it was as if they vanished into thin air. And all they left was good memories. So for me, they were ahead of their time in terms of conservation, carbon footprint, leave no trace, don't waste things. Uh, you know, they were, they were well ahead of the curve in terms of what we need to be doing. And I was so impressed by them and so influenced by them. I just felt that it was important. I always felt that, imagine, not, we can't live our lives as hippies per se, but if we could scale up uh, 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 their approach and their attitude as a society, wow, we'd be a lot better off and we would be well down the road to, to solving some of the environmental issues we're encountering today. Well, it's a book and an adventure that is rich in imagery. It's beautifully told. The cover, as you've said, <laughs> your picture paints a thousand words, but the words themselves are well composed. The Last Beekeeper is available where? All right, so it's launching on Friday. This Friday, the Minister for Heritage, Malcolm Noonan, has kindly agreed. I call him the Minister for Nature, for good nature, and he's doing a good job. He, he's launching it in Kilkenny, in Butler House in Kilkenny, in the Orangery. That's a fancy word I, I've only come across for a, for a conservatory, in, in Butler House in Kilkenny uh, at 11 o'clock. And the, the book will be available then from all uh, selected independent bookshops, including All Books in Port Leash, Midland Books here in Tullamore, Barker and Jones in Nace, Anthology in Abilix, Nook and Cranny in Port Leash, and uh, as well as uh, uh, we have a dedicated website going live on Friday, thelastbeekeeper.ie, where people from further afield can order it online. John, always a pleasure, or should I say Johnny Renko. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Will. My pleasure. Well, just a quickie. This is a text, by the way, from Breda, who says, I was getting diesel yesterday and noticed... No matter how hard I tried when filling it, it nearly always goes over one or two cent above the amount intended. I wonder why no entrepreneur has ever come up with a gadget for stopping bang on the 20 or 30 euro that you're getting. You know what? There are some garages where you prepay and you say, I want 20 quid, and by golly, it stops on 20 quid. So somebody has invented it, just not all garages have invested. Now, let's get a quick roundup on all that's happening in the world of entertainment. For instance, Jamie Dornan, apparently in the running to be the next James Bond. Still haven't gotten a chance to watch No Time to Die. Is it worth going to the cinema to see? But we'll also start with Molly May Haig and Tommy Fury. And if you're a Love Island fan, you'll know these guys have more money than sense. Proof, please, Kaylee Hardiman. Good morning. Yeah, so the big news at the last couple of days is that Molly May Haig, which people will know from Love Island and her boyfriend Tommy Fury, their house was broken into in Manchester while they were at an event in London and £800,000 worth of goods was stolen from the house. So, How would you have eight hundred grand in your house? I think my contents are insured at 30 or something. I would probably say that it's jewellery and things like that because Molly May is known Ah. for things that are 50,000 and 100,000 for a necklace. So, yeah, and apparently they're not going to return to their home. So they're very shaken up about it, which you could imagine is obviously very relatable. It was a terrible violation. Absolutely being serious for a moment when your home is broken into it always feels soiled, dirty, unsafe. So you have to sympathise on a human level. Uh, I'm sure they will get the money back in future earnings. Now, the next story then, also Love Island related, Maura Higgins, the Ballymahon bombshell, officially single. Yes, she's a single again. Um, Maura has a, seems to have a habit of getting into these short-term relationships and 
they just don't seem to go well for her in the public eye, especially since she was with Giovanni Pernice, which people will know from uh, Strictly Come Dancing. And so the big news is apparently that Giovanni was on a celebrity dating app uh, before he split up with Maura. And that's kind of all come to light now in the press the last couple of days that he was on this app. And um, I suppose she did not approve. I can understand yes. why. Well, she's she's back on the market. Um, another chap who is on the market or possibly off the market. We'll find out tonight. Uh, I see Jordan Conroy will be appearing on Pulling With My Parents. And he says on Instagram that Jenny, who is his mum, didn't have an easy task with him. And when you wonder why he's a little mad, he says he gets it from her. She's the real superstar of the show. So 9.30 tonight, RTE2. Uh, Jordan Conroy appearing on Pulling With My Parents. Uh, Kim Kardashian, is she on the poll again? Um, it's hard, quite hard to say with Kim. Um, it was in the news lately because she did a monologue on SNL. So she was the... Saturday Night Live. Yes, Saturday Night Live. And people are kind of confused because in her monologue, Kim kind of poked fun at Kanye. But um, Don't you mean Ye? <laughs> yes, sorry. His new name, yes, Ye. But um, Kim actually was at one of his events lately. I think it was for his new album. And she dressed up in a in a completely white gown, so a kind of a wedding dress. And then people were wondering, was this kind of a, a signal that they were going to get back together? But it would appear that they're still going ahead with the divorce at the moment. Right. And no explanation why she went to his concert in a wedding dress. That's maybe just a bit of a taunt. <laughs> All right, Kaylee, that's your roundup of what's happening in entertainment. By the way, Kaylee put the programme together this morning and is already working on Thursday's show. We'll have some fun trying to put it all together over the next few hours. Do get involved if there's something affecting you or your area. And we'll chat again tomorrow morning from nine. Take care. Bye bye.